It's the Garage Guys NASCAR race recap show. We're back. I'm Garage Guy Chase. Dale Tanhart joins me to recap uh, a race that was watched on the road while being raced on road. Watkins Glen uh, going to be talking about the uh, the betting upset of the lifetime. And we're going to be talking about everything that happened during this race that we thought may get postponed because of rain, but didn't. And then, of course, uh, it's the return this week of the Garage Guide. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about racing upsets. Lots to unfold. Dale, how are you? It is good to be back home. Yes, it is. And look, I would not definitely would not call it an upset of a lifetime. I would call it a bad beat of a lifetime because we were both on Chase Elliott. Yeah. And I also the even a worse beat, I think, is I had him for a top three as one of my top plays of the week dating back to Thursday. So he finishes fourth after that skirmish with Kyle Larson. But yeah, good to be here heading to Daytona here shortly. Uh, going to be filming Dale Center live at Hooters in Daytona Beach on Thursday night, which is going to be a lot of fun. So I know there's a lot of people that have said they're already going to be there. And here's the news right here. I'll also tweet it out and going to have some giveaways that I'll tweet about with Hooters and, and Hooters Racing directly. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Watkins Glen was an awesome race. Aside from the betting tragedy, it was a fun race. And I think Watkins Glen has always been the best road course. Even with these newer road courses we've added in the schedule that have been nothing but chaos and excitement, I still think Watkins Glen is like the OG goat of road course racing. And I think there was a lot that happened that that reiterated that idea. So it was a fun race. I wish the bets would have gone better on at least the, to win the top three. But shout out to Chase Briscoe for winning stage one and shout out to Chase Elliott for winning the poll, which catapulted me into making money this past weekend because there's a lot of heartbreak in other areas of the weekend. Yeah, shout out to Chase Elliott as well for a regular season champion. He got that. He got that done. And, you know, Hooters is a proud sponsor of uh, this show. And shout out to Hooters. You're going to Hooters. Dale Center from Hooters is going to be great. I can't wait to tune in and watch that on Thursday. Um, but, uh, yeah, shout out to Hooters, by the way. And as always, save uh, $10 on any $30 to-go order when you use promo code GARAGEGUYS. Uh, when you order from the Hooters app or from order.hooters.com. Valid at participating locations for delivery and carry out orders only. And uh, and and where else? Where else can can they use the promo code? Can they use yeah. it not to go? So that's cap to carry out right there. But if you want to go relax, have a fantastic, delicious dinner at your local Hooters, step right in and tell your waitress about promo code garage guys. And you'll save $10 off any $40 dine-in order or more. That's valid at HOA locations. Offers redeemable for food, non-alcoholic beverages, and merchandise. And be sure to tell them that Dine-In Dale sent you there. Promo code Garage Guys. Tell your Hooters girl. She'll take care of it. And you save 10 bucks on the most delicious food in the universe. That's correct. That's correct. We all like the best food in the universe, but let's talk about uh, Watkins Glen. I'm going to go ahead and dive in and just kind of clear up some of the stuff we were talking about in the beginning, introducing it. I'm obviously a little bit more sour because I want to kick myself in the ass directly in the sphincter for betting on Chase Elliott at plus 350. 
Um, and I did it anyway. And I just want to take this time to vent and cry. I don't care what you think. You can fast forward it. It doesn't matter. Dale, I'm sorry. You're along for the ride. Um, so I am a little bit upset at myself, mainly completely upset at myself for betting this bet. I never like to bet the favorite. The last time I bet a favorite was Richmond last year uh, with Martin Truex Jr. And, you know, I just. Okay, that can't be true. Um, you've bet well, a favorite sometime year. this year. No, That's I don't think. Impossible. Maybe at Daytona or Talladega. Maybe. I don't know. There, there's no way you could have gone this entire year without betting it. I don't, I don't like to bet. I don't like to bet anything that's under plus 500. I don't like to do it. And I've Well, that doesn't mean you're not betting a favorite, though, because some favorites have been 600, 700. Well, then, yeah, if you want to get technical with it, that's fine. Anyway, very, very short odds. I kick myself in the ass for doing that. I love Chase. I wanted to bet something on Chase. There wasn't a whole lot of matchups out there on Sunday morning about an hour before the race that I could find that were worth noting or value. But, you know, sometimes you just want to bet on your boy, you know, and then that was kind of like where it was at. However, yeah, it sucked. And uh, and I lost money. And then DFS, too, was a tragedy because I kind of loaded up on Chase Elliott. I know a lot of people in the Discord and people that joined in. And so, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and wipe it from my memory after this podcast is over. After we get done talking about everything that went down at this race, I'm not going to remember it ever again because I will never bet on odds that short in NASCAR ever again on a to win bet. So I just wanted that to be stated. Apologies. I take full responsibility. None of the drivers in this race uh, have to take any responsibility because I take responsibility for putting that out there because I know better. And I just see it totally. I just see it totally differently. Like it was to me, it was worth it because um, I guess based off of everything from 2022 data and dating back to data at this racetrack that he was going to be the best. And, and, and he was, and he was, and it, it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. No one had anything for Chase Elliott in this race. And, you know, Kyle Larson used him up straight up. And that's going to be, that's, a, that's just in its own is just an awesome topic because it's going to create some excellent drama between teammates. Both are friends of the garage guys and both have won the last two championships in the NASCAR cup series. So when we're looking at, looking at it from a drama standpoint, Forget the betting standpoint. It sucks. And I want to hate Kyle Larson. I hated him for that day, and I, I'm over it now. But from a drama – no, you can't. But from a drama standpoint, it is excellent for NASCAR, and it is just going to be so spicy over the next couple months to see how this all plays out. And with Kyle Larson getting hot right now and Chase Elliott being the top guy, there's a good chance we see both of these guys in the Final Four at Phoenix, and all bets are off at that point, right? But the pathway and the journey there, we get to tracks like Bristol, which Chase Elliott kept mentioning, whether it was intentional or by mistake. Uh, I've seen the memes. Everybody's done a great job posting the memes of like him, the Michael Waltrip clip from back in the day, showing up to the racetrack, the wrong racetrack by himself and putting like Chase Elliott's face over it. Funny shit. Really, really funny. But ultimately, the pathway, the journey to this championship four all eyes are on these two after what happened. And with both of Kyle Larson's wins coming from uh, not just knocking Chase Elliott out of the way, basically, right? Fontana, he did the same thing when Chase Elliott was about to pass him. And then he does it to Elliott 
here at Watkins Glen, just doors them out of the way, which I get it. That was his only shot to win, you know, and Rubens race. This is what NASCAR is all about. This is what makes NASCAR the most unique form of top tier professional motorsport in the universe. Right. Yeah. So it makes it exciting. It makes it fun. It sucks ass for the bets because, I, you know, we talk about how we both had Chase Elliott, but in the long run for entertainment quality, and in the, the 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 grand scheme of the playoffs, is it's an awesome thing that happened for the yeah. fans. It was good. It was good. And I guess that's kind of like where everything falls for me for it's just like the restarts. Anything can happen on these restarts. Uh, what was it? Joey Hand messed up the barrier. That's what brought out this caution. Uh, if that would have never happened, then I mean, yeah, it might be a different story. Uh, but it's not a different story because this is what happened and this is reality. And during those restarts, anybody that's up front is going to do whatever it takes to win. And you got to kind of factor that in sometimes. It's just like uh, the strategy that some of these guys play when they're on the racetrack. You know, they, they stay out. They know they should have hit it already. And they're just hoping, waiting for a caution. And if they don't get that caution, then they're fucked. And then that's kind of the, the same concept, right? So that's that's the way that I'm looking at this and taking this. But yes, betting aside, definitely is going to cause a lot because let's let's face it, Chase is not going to be the guy that's going to talk shit in an, in an interview. I think that we have seen enough of Chase Elliott now to know that that's just not his personality. Kyle, on the other hand, was very open and very straightforward. Like, yeah, I hate that it was a teammate, but I did what I had to do to win, and that's what all these drivers are going to do at the end of the day. Chase Elliott, good job. Good for him. That's great. You could taste the saltiness out of his mouth into the microphone. That microphone knew that there was salt being but I give all over it. I give him so much credit, and a lot of people were hating, which Elliot and Larson have a big – both of those guys have big hater fan bases because of their popularity, right? But I give him a lot of credit for how he handled it because, like, yeah, you could feel the anger. You could feel the tension in, in what he was – in his voice, right, and his deflection. But I give him a lot of credit because if that were me – I would have fucking killed Kyle Larson. I would have murdered somebody in jail. I would have murdered someone in front of me. I would have probably murdered the first person I saw outside of Jeff Gordon, my wife or girlfriend and Rick Hendrick. So like the, the collectiveness to not just bash him, right. To bash Kyle Larson, to bash what, what happened on the racetrack is I think is admirable. Honestly, I really do. And it's like, it's just, a testament to him keeping his composure and not losing it. Because we've seen a lot of drivers say a lot and do a lot of questionable and and things they might regret doing or saying over, over incidents like that. And, uh, yeah, it's just the, the the way Kyle Larson handled it, I get it. Like, he, he you're right. He was just frank. Did what he had to do. Moved him out of the way. And Chase Elliott just chose to not – not talk about it, which I respect. It's funny. I totally I'm respect. Watching it. I'm watching it right now as we're talking about it. And I'm back here. I'm on the like 11 minute mark of the recap. So I'm getting to see exactly just in real time, guys, after uh, Hesman's, uh, what, what is his name? Jaquez, uh, what, what's his last name? Guy that comes over. He's a legend. F1 drives in. The Jacques, well, Jacques Villeneuve, but this is Lori's Hesman's. Okay, well, yeah, Drop Villanova, he's just like out in the sun, out in the sand, just soaking up the sun. Uh, that's where I'm at. I think he only raced the Daytona 500. Maybe. He's pretty old. 
maybe the only one but yeah that might be it's hesberg it just just spinning in that sand boy all right i gotta restart and i just want to walk through it real fast restarts happening here right now you've got larson on the right side of elliot's car elliot's on the left side they're going into turn one and that's when yep that little that just little ass tap right there on that uh the right side the front tire with elliot that's what did it it's all it took little ass tap it's kind of like shoot see you later and that was it i want to talk about the cautions leading up to that and Mm. i tweeted about this a conspiracy theory these quote-unquote road course ringers aka joey hand and lurie's hasmans who okay i think hasmans may have had some kind of failure but i'm not not confirmed the the cautions are inexplicable when you're by yourself running 32nd and joey hand who somebody on twitter said this perfectly like Joey Hand has been decent when he's gotten these opportunities. He hits his marks for 90% of the race and then all of a sudden just overshoots the shit out of turn one at 130 miles an hour and crashes and brings out an inexplicable caution. Can we get data on what happens? That's what we need. Uh, we need to see the car data. I want to know. I what don't. Happened. I think has, or, or, I think Joey Hand over just fucked up, which is it's inexplicable. Inexplicable. Battling for 27th. Like, what the fuck are you doing, man? And then Hesemans, by himself running 32nd, just lost it. And I think he had a failure. That looked kind of like he had no brakes or no steering or something. Regardless, I have this theory now that road course ringers, quote-unquote road course ringers, Joey Hand, Luis Hesemans, uh, a couple of these other guys that typically wreck or have mechanical issues, they are secret agents for the sports books. And they are in the race only to survive and create cautions that manipulate the outcome of the race. Are we having NASPC right now? Are we? Are yeah, we, we are. I, I, I tweeted this. There's a lot of people that, that liked it, or a decent amount of people that liked it. A couple of retweets. This is a concern. We have to eradicate these road course ringers or eradicate the shitbox race cars that they're in, which Kimi Raikkonen was in a good car. But all of your road course ringers, okay, Kyle Tilly, Kimi Raikkonen, Daniel Kivet, or I don't know how you say his last name, Kivat uh, Kivet, Luis Hesemann, I'm proud, Joey Hand, all of these guys. I think the only guy that did not have an issue, which I think he may have spun actually, Mike Rockefeller, all of these guys had some kind of issue on track, whether it was a wreck, bringing out a caution, mechanical failures. They are sportsbook agents destined to manipulate the outcomes of race. We have to delete road course ringers from these road courses. It's bullshit that these cautions are fucking inexplicable and they, they cost me money. And that's the most important reason why we should, they shouldn't be allowed to race. That was a great conspiracy. These aren't the road course ringers of Boris said and Ron fellows that would actually no. run up front back in the mid late thousands. They're not sellouts either. Boris said no. never sell out. No, absolutely not. I believe, I believe that with all my heart. No, this is good. I mean, this is a cause for concern. Let's, let's face it. You talk about Rockefeller, right? All right. He, that, that guy's not going to fuck up. You know why? Because that's a real motherfucker. Rockefeller shout out to Rockefeller records. Well, he, he did spin out. I think, I think he spun out when Austin Dillon spun he, he out or one of those guys didn't cause caution. Didn't get no TV time. I didn't see that car. I didn't see that car one time. I, I think I saw it t- maybe twice, once or twice. Well, 
you know what? It's probably better. I probably didn't see it because I'm a big Rockefeller Records fan. And it was probably just like, yeah, you don't need to see that because, you know, we, we don't show ourselves. We just hear and you know about it. I saw the name and I was satisfied. But no, this is a great point. And I think that this is something that's real. And I think you're on to something because we don't know what happens in the dark. We don't know how these deals get put together. We just get told that these guys are running these cars and these cars come out of nowhere. They're conjured. Vegas is paying for these cars. It's got, they got to be. It's got to be Vegas. We, we, you know, who is who is Hesman's? You know, who is who is Rick? Where we got to talk to Rick. These guys have good resumes. I think Rick's being played. These guys have good. They they have good resumes in other series, but when they when they join NASCAR in these lower tier race cars, they are liabilities for sports betters. They are fucking roadblocks for sports betters. Joey Hand has been the one guy that's been pretty good, honestly. Like he's been pretty decent, but. He's lost all my trust after after overshooting turn one by 800 miles per hour. Trying all his fault. To break somebody. It's all his fault that we all said that everyone lost money. The world. I'm pretty sure the world probably bet on Chase Elliott. A lot of yep. people that didn't there, watch there, was, there just had to be too many people on him. And, and I, I see why. He was the right pick. He was the best driver in the best car. He was untouchable on speed. He should have won. And, and the books had to have stepped in here. I mean, come on. Like, this is just – this is the only reasonable explanation to why Kyle Larson won this race. Who would he work for? That's the question. Like, would he work for a specific sports book or would he work for, like, you know, like let's say a uh, a win bet or a bet no, river? I, no, I don't think it matters. I think it's it's just an agent out of Vegas who is, is trying to cover the – cover potential liabilities of, of all sports books. We haven't called like, him. You think they, they have to talk about this and be like, hey, like – which there is data that comes out. I see people tweet stuff like this, like what drivers uh, have the biggest hold percentage, biggest liability percentage. Like these sports books all know this. And if everybody hammered Chase Elliott, which I think a lot of people did, especially because I was talking about it on Thursday, I saw other people put the bet in on talking about it on Twitter or in the Garage Guys Discord Thursday or Friday before we even had qualifying. This had to be this had to be an inside job to make this happen. Had to be. I don't know. I'm I need to we need to get back on our weekly phone calls to Vegas. I think that they, late, lately we haven't called. I haven't picked up Jeff Tell Mobile in a minute. You haven't used the Dale phone. You know I'm, what? I'll bring I'll bring I'll bring Dale phone with me to Daytona and we can we can bring uh, Dale phone. We can, we can bring it back. Maybe try to right. Call we need some energy. We need some energy to you gotta put to, him in his fucking place. It send out these bad beats yeah because they have been they've been tough over the past couple of months xfinity too for me my god uh william byron top play should have fucking won and ty gibbs just says you know what i give no fucks about anybody or anything i don't care if i wreck them i don't care if i wreck myself i'm just gonna send it in there regardless and that's exactly what he did and fucked everything up he's just fucked the whole thing up He's doing what any grand good good grandson from with a rich grandfather would do. You know, they give you something, you just break it to, to shit, and then you forget that it happened because you know you're gonna get another one. Because grand no consequence, no consequence. Yeah, you have to have consequences when you have a grandchild in the world because if you don't, they're just gonna run all over you. Like they always say, like you know, it's a parent's job to raise a kid, it's a grandparent's job to spoil a kid. We're all fucked. Everyone is fucked in this situation. You have a grandchild and a grand and a grandfather. OK, somebody has got to get between these two. It's the only way I think it could be Kyle Bush. I'd like to think so, but I don't think Kyle has the backbone to do it either. I mean, that's his, that's who pays his bills. 
he's just going to keep breaking it and tearing it up and making everybody lose money. Dude, and just to go off on another another tangent here, it's news came out today that it seems like Kyle Bush is going to call it. It's not confirmed, but it's like it's it's been rumored that it's happening. How do I, I have I don't know, man. I it, it may not be a bad move, but but I want to go back to what I said months ago. And I you may remember this, but regarding the Ty Gibbs Kyle Bush deal, how they can't find sponsorship for Kyle Bush, they are doing this on purpose. They don't want him there. I said it months ago before this even opened up into a really big deal that they are pushing him out. They want this to be difficult. They wanted to make the process seem like it was impossible so they could get rid of Kyle Bush. That is, I think, coming to fruition. There's no question in my mind. They have to have something open for Ty Gibbs. And I guarantee you, guarantee you that Joe Gibbs wants him to be in that 18 car. Of course. He wants him to be in that 18, which was the original car number back in the early 90s when Joe Gibbs spawned in the sport of NASCAR. Who is that? They have, was in there. Was it one of the Labonte boys? Or was it Jarrett? No, Dale it Jarrett? would have been it was Dale Jarrett. Dale now Jarrett. it just it seems impossible that you can't find sponsorship for this guy. It's fucking impossible. I promise you, everybody listening, they have intentionally made this process impossible. This is Joe Gibbs racing saying we're going to push Kyle out of this ride. That is what I think. It, and it could be the biggest bag fumble ever if he goes to another team and just fucking tears it up. But yeah, another another conspiracy, which is a, this is a conspiracy that I've talked about for a while and it's coming true. Dun, 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 dun. Dude, dude, this episode is an aspiracy. Like, like, dude, where Cody's Cody is gonna be sad that he missed this one because man, you're you're coming in hot with some aspiracies and trials and of the glen. I appreciate trials it. of the glen. It triggered you, it triggered you into aspiracy time, and, and I love it, and I'm here for it, and I think the world's here for it. We've been we've been waiting for you, Dale, to come yeah. into the conspiracy world. Well, like I said, the Kyle Bush thing I've been talking about. This mm-hmm. I, I've been saying this shit that it's just but but i've said it multiple times multiple times they are trying to make this process and look the sports betting thing like it it, like i'm joking it's real but i'm not it's real yeah but 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 listen to me it's real but this one i am like i feel confident that this is there's something up it's it's just too it just should not have been this difficult to bring kyle bush back you can bring fucking truex back who's washed for another year, bullshit, which I know he's got Bass Pro Shops, but no, 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 fuck that. Truex is washed. Kyle Bush, not washed. I know it's been kind of difficult uh, recently for Kyle, but it's about there's money. just something going on here, man. It's, it's just, it's never seemed right. It's money. It's because Kyle does, demands a lot of money. And Joe and them, I mean, everything is getting cost efficient now. Let's face it. I mean, people are taking deals for less money, more trade type shits going down. Kyle ain't about that life, man. He's he does not want like look at his wife. He's got to support his wife. She has to get a new pair of shoes every 30 minutes. Guaranteed. <laughs> Samantha has a lot of shoes, dude. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, so when you got that kind of upkeep, bro. Like you gotta have that paper. It's there's no way around it. And Joe's probably like, I'm sorry, Kyle, I can't support Samantha's shoe habit anymore. You're gonna have to figure out another way 
to make this work. I mean, they've got they got their child racing now, trying to get win. Who knows if that's supporting the shoe habit? We don't know, you know. But the the main thing here is is that it has to come down to money. And I think that some of these other drivers, like if you're Martin Truex Jr., you know, you're just out there just pissing away life in the wind on a racetrack on Sunday because you're a bum. <laughs> you don't care. You're just like, oh, paper, cool. Yeah, I'll sign it. What's up? You know, oh, I get to do a Michael Jordan thing. Cool. Let's go. Like, yeah, that's how that was easy. I'm telling you, this is money right here. So the question is the colleague rumor. That's where I'm a little iffy with it because they're a new team. And if if they have enough money to support Kyle Bush, another Naspiracy, where the fuck is this money coming from? Are they tied in to to some ultimate grand scheme where they have money coming from other sources? Are you know th- these are questions that we have to ask now because if that's real, how in the fuck are they going to support Samantha's shoe habit? How? That's what I have to say about it. You know this this reminds me last night. So I am tonight. I'm racing in the NWP 400 hosted by IDK Player for iRacing. Nice. Uh, it's just a big iRacing event. Anyway, I was in their Discord last night, and this guy who, who's in our in our Discord was in the voice chat. His name is Nicholas Hook. Good dude. Interacts a lot on Twitter. He hates me because my Xfinity bets have sucked ass by pure luck, by the way. It's all Vegas's fault, Nick. Get over it. He says that him and a few guys, and maybe it wasn't him. I, I think it was him, but it, there are a lot of people on this channel, and somebody said that they have a conspiracy because they always see how we're at the racetracks, right? They have a conspiracy that NASCAR fronts our gambling money, and that's how we're able to get to the racetrack, because NASCAR pays for our bets. Wow. So that another conspiracy in there. Incredible conspiracy, NASPiracy, whatever the fuck you want to call it. But we're going back, going back to this colleague deal, I have kind of wondered that, too. This program was a one-car team for a while in the in the Xfinity series with Blake Cook as like their OG driver. I think he was their OG driver. He was there for a few years. Then they get Justin Haley. Now they get AJ Allmendinger. Then they add a third car with uh at the time was Ross Chastain. Then it becomes Jeb Burton. Now it's Landon Castle. Where I, I don't know Matt Collig and Chris Rice's background. I know Chris Rice has been a part of racing for a long time. I don't know exactly what all Matt Collig does, but it does seem like pretty crazy how they've grown so much in a in a market, in a business structure that isn't just like the most profitable for the best teams in a lower tier series, right? Like yeah. the charter system and cup helps the top stay at the top, right? But in the Xfinity series and in the truck series, if you have to spend money to be a better team, right? And colleague has done that. Absolutely. AJ Allmendinger, championship contender. Justin Haley won a good bit of races. Fastest cars at super speedways. And now we're talking about making a super big expansion, which Kyle Busch, I'm assuming what, what I've seen is that it could be called, and maybe people are just saying this because it sounds good. It could be KBM, colleague Bush Motorsports. Uh, I'm assuming uh, that if this does happen, Kyle Bush will is putting his own investment into this, right? Because he wants to be a he wants to jump into the team owner game, yeah. just like Denny Hamlin, just like Justin Marks. So that's worth considering here. This is where it gets fun. If we know he's leaving Gibbs, which I think is like 99% gonna happen, 
how does this all play out? Whether he joins, what if he joins Denny Hamlet, 23 XI? What uh, if starts that team with it, it co-owns a team with Colleg? But to the root of the conversation, Colleg has blown the fuck up, right? Over the past few years. And it is pretty interesting. It, it could be its own conspiracy how they have gotten to this point with in a, in a business model that could not be so advantageous. Right. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, like the hair gel bill has to be outrageous dude. Like over there at Colic. like you look, you look at that hair. I mean, you got AJ Hemrick and, and Matt Colic alone. Those three guys, spiky hair, pristine. All right. So I know for a fact, they're spending a lot of money on that. You bring Kyle Bush into that. You say Justin Haley too. He's got spiky. Yeah. Yo, he can, when he wants to, it's, he's got a hat on most of the time, but yeah, he can spike that thing up, but I'm telling you like Kyle Bush that he went through the spiky hair phase. He's had spiky. He can go back to that. You know, he it's getting a little bit thinner, but I like where you're going here because you know, the new KBM college Bush motorsports, those cars are already white. They're not adding a lot of paint to those cars. They're saving a little bit of money there. What else is white? Rowdy energy drinks. Bam. Very easy transition to get rowdy on a car. Seamless. Seamless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, I what, I think we figured it out. I wonder what the, the most fun thing I think about is what number he would drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so weird. Like, he was in the five car, right? Uh, or in his rookie year, the first I think the first car he ever drove in Cup was the '84, which was a cool looking car, like the inverse '48 Hendrick style font. We've, we've been so used to him in the '18. Like I could see, like if he went, if he was in the five, I'd be like, yeah, okay, cool. If he was in the '18, okay, cool. But now, which this is where the '51 becomes interesting. That's right? what I was going to talk about, Cody Ware. Rick Ware has that 51. They've run all sorts of numbers, like the 51, the 52, the 53. I think, hell, they've run a 54 before. Maybe Kyle Busch, if he goes to college and they create a deal, maybe they go to Rick Ware and say, hey, can I get this number 51? That would be badass, dude. To see that 51 in cup, like we see it in trucks, that would be cool to see that 51 with that font. But then college, it's like, does college need to – need to restructure their font for their 16 or their number 31 or their their number 11 in the Xfinity series. You know what I mean? Like that's the the shit that I think about, like the the outside, like the, the paint scheme and the number decisions. We need I to call Dale kind of Jr. Dale Jr. would love to have this conversation with us right now. He's a big, big livery guy. So- I wish that makes me think. I wish Dale Jr. would have. I think something came out on Reddit, not maybe a year ago or less. And this has probably been known for a while, but I, I remember seeing something on Twitter recently that originally Dale Jr. is going to be the number 81, which I would have liked way better than the 88 when mm-hmm. he joined Team Hendrick. Because I love that 81 that he drove part time in the Xfinity series sometimes. And I remember when he joined as the number 88, my dad was fucking pissed because he was like, he's the number 88. Dale Jarrett was the 88. Earnhardt fans fucking hated Dale Jarrett. Because he would always win Daytona 500s, and Dale Dale Senior would, would run second second fiddle to him, and, and and Dale Jarrett was a beast in that time, not just at Daytona, but everywhere. But my dad was like, my dad thought it was a shame that Junior drove the 88, which was a rival of Earnhardt back in the day, 
not to and not even to mention that you joined the ultimate enemy, which was Hendrick Motorsports. Like that was a big one, but the 81 would have been cool, would have been unique. So like adding that uniqueness with the number 51 into the cup series would be awesome, regardless of what he does with what team. Yeah, I, I don't think it would be an issue for them to go over there and talk to Rick and for Rick to just, you know, understand. I mean, dude, I Rick seems like a guy that is understanding. I mean, you maybe, think, maybe smart guy. He bought, he bought all the charters in a time when it was low. I mean, we had an episode with Cody where yeah. I haven't checked out that, that episode that Dale and I did. It was a garage talk with Cody where literally talks about how much they were paying for charters. You could get them for under like a million, you know, back. Yeah. In talk about a fucking business decision. I mean, they are, they, they, they struck gold with that. What I, I wanted to interrupt you because I was like, hear me out. Kyle Busch buys Rick Ware, and it's it's uh, Kyle Busch, KB Ware, KB Ware Racing, and now he gets his fifty-one. Beware of KB Ware, the fifty-one. It's rowdy. He's he's finally back. Yeah, he would have to. They would have to restructure something with Exxon if that happened. He can make all that, the Thunder dreams come true. I like that. Would, oh, see, yeah, that would be sick, right? If you actually got the sponsors from he from actually the days of Thunder. comes rowdy. Uh, maybe he doesn't have like a brain problem though. You know, maybe he right. have those issues. We would it hope would be sick, though. he has a good energy drink. It doesn't cause brain issues, apparently. So maybe that won't be the same, you know, fate for the rowdy that is in real life. But yeah, ultimately, the 51 does belong to Kyle Bush. I feel like in this generation, at least. So he should he should definitely have that. But no, these are good. I mean, dude, this has been three Naspiracies just like bow, 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 right off the bat. It's like, fuck Watkins Glen. Like, we quickly got away from that race, and I appreciate it. Like, I don't even remember that it happened. That's 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 crazy great. You know, I, I like I said, aside from the betting tragedy, and I, I know you disagree with me on this when we talk personally, I, I thought it was a great race. I thought it was a great race. I really did. I thought it was an excellent, typical Watkins Glen race where there wasn't a lot of shit show mayhem and the finish was exciting which is what Watkins Glen generally produces a good race don't have a lot of idiotic shit go down and then you have an exciting finish and you know I, I bitch about the Kyle Larson move but at the end of the day it's racing it's, it's yeah. racing it's NASCAR all right. Well, that that's been decided. Shout out to Chase Briscoe. Like you said, we we have been telling everybody this. I know I said in the barstool space and if you like any time that we've lost money on stage one bets on a road course this year, it's been because Chase Briscoe won it uh, I, as far back as I can remember to maybe road America. Um, you know, he's won stage one. So that was two races. So, of course, he was going to hit the three peat and, and he did it. And, and y'all got to cash in. So shout out to y'all and shout out to uh, Chase Briscoe for being the stage one. Uh, give me that playoff point champion. Another. Uh, and dude, that was dramatic, man. We were in the car watching that shit. And McDowell was all over him, dude. For me, that was that was my highlight of the race. I'm yeah. sweating my ass off. Like, dude, please. I was hold him sweating. Off. I was sweating, too, because if it, for anyone listening to this, if you're ever in if you ever encounter Dale and you ever have to get into a car with Dale on a Sunday while a race is on and a road course race is happening, he will try to turn the vehicle that you're driving in the direction of whatever the road is going. So, yeah, be very careful. Can't help it. Riding with Dale. Because I was literally interstate straight away. 
I was literally watching Briscoe and McDowell go through the carousel, and I was, yeah, I was on the interstate, and I just started easing to the right. You were there. I was watching them turn right. I was like, fuck, I got to stop. I'm going to kill myself. Fuck, yeah. I got a kid, bro. I got a wife. Yeah. Can't be going through carousels on on I-95 or wherever the fuck we were at. Speaking (laughs) of what aggressive psychopath drivers, Joey Logano falls in that category. And I one good call amongst all the bad calls we had. On Dale Center, I did say, and, and of course, another example of me giving advice on something and not betting it myself, I was like, take Blaney and Logano for stage one and stage two, and it will hit. And I think Logano was like plus 4,000 to win stage two oh. after qualifying. Yeah. Team Penske is so good at chasing stage points, man. And Blaney had nothing for him, which was hey, another good call. I talked about Daniel Suarez to beat Ryan Blaney on Dale Center. Easiest cash ever. Easiest cash matchup. One of the easiest cash matchups I've ever given in the Cup Series. It wasn't even fucking close. But uh, I talked about that. that. Though was Ross Chastain and his shitbag performance when he should have been rocket shipping because I had he, him over Cendric and that was terrible. Yeah, he's just he's just so dead to me at this moment, man. Like he he's he's starting to fall in that territory of big time slump level, right? Like we talk about William Byron which he has been in an ungodly slump. I mean, after Darlington, it has been a nightmare season for Willie B. Mm. Glad they got those two wins because they they can focus on the last 10 races, right? Like, they're good. But yeah. it's been an unreal slump for that team. Ross Chastain, yeah. dude, if you – what's that? Chastain the slump god. Dude, if you, if you look at, like, his last five or six races, it's been terrible. Like, I, I don't think he's had a top 10, maybe at New Hampshire, I think. But, like, and, and a couple of these races where he wrecked, he was contending for top fives, victories. But when you're in a slump, dude, you're in a slump. And you – it's just like baseball, man. Like, you go into hitting slumps, and it's hard to break out of it. And right now, that's where William Byron is. And Ross Chastain, a guy that has had a few weeks ago, probably a month ago, was leading the points – or not leading the points, but leading or co-leading the field in like top five finishes, top 10 finishes has now fallen apart with like five or six races in a row where he's like got to be 20th or worse. I I don't have any stats, but he has been, if I think back to all the issues that have in Pocono, Indy, uh, Richmond fell off, Michigan got in a wreck. And then Watkins Glen was a non-factor wreck there. Dude, it's been a rough stretch for Chastain, man. Very, very rough stretch heading into the playoffs. Not what you want from a momentum side. Nope. Track house got to get back on track. But, yeah, shout out to Danny, Danny Suarez. Dude, yeah, and no one's talking about that. Another strong road course run for Dan Suarez. Love that guy. He has been it's, awesome. It's because we, it, was because it was between uh, it was between Chase and Kyle. I think that's why. I mean, that's the story of the race now, right? It's like, it's like all that great racing came down to, like, the last two laps of that race. And that's what everyone wants to talk about. And so, oh, yeah, for you sure. know, it's, it's fine. But you know what? Matchups matter. Okay. Remember that. Everyone listens. Matchups matter. Okay. Take screenshots of every matchup on the sports book before Sunday and then go back and see where you find those in the highlights. All right. Remember them because we'll talk about them. We talk about them weekly. Matchups matter. I'm going to start a hashtag, start a new movement. Match. There you go. That's it. I'm not. I'm not the big matchup guy, but I mean, I try, 
I try to just find one or two that are just hammer times, hammer time plays. Oh, I did make a parlay. As I, you know, I say that I did make a parlay that did not hit. Yeah, I think it Todd was. Gill and fucked you. Yeah, he did. Ask like a you train. Gilly was, dude. He started to scare me early in that race. He was fucking fast, man. I mean, he carved through the field and broke an axle while leading. So that's like, there are a lot of Gill and betters out there. So that's that really hurt. He's got to win him a five hundred to get stronger axles. Uh, apparently so. Yeah. On the way, you know. <laughs> And and that's a good uh I don't know if there's anything else you want to talk about. There's not. It's not the garage guide, baby. Introduce us. What 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 are we chatting about? You, you mentioned that McDowell Daytona five hundred win, kind of like teased it. That is a perfect segue to hit the garage guide back this week. Since we are at Daytona, a place where upsets have happened through the entire history, whether it's Tiny Lund back in nineteen sixty-three, Trevor Bain in two thousand eleven. Michael Waltrip in 2001, or Michael McDowell in 2020, it's time to see who our favorite upset winners are in the history of NASCAR. So if you're new to the show, don't remember we did this a couple weeks ago, a few weeks prior to that as well. Uh, We do a top five, our own individual top five lists, and an honorable mention, the topic favorite upset winners. There's been a lot of them, and there's a lot of fun ones. There's a lot of, uh, of, of, hateful ones i shouldn't say hateful there's a lot that provide a lot of pain uh to me you and and even even my dad i think about a couple with my dad uh this isn't going to be in my top five but Derek cope winning the 1990 daytona 500 Mm. still scarred my dad for life because dale earnhardt was leading going into turn three and blew a tire and Derek cope won his only fucking race of his career that day Mm. because dale earnhardt blew a tire on the final lap of the race so I'll quit rambling about it. I'll let you get into your list. Top five favorite upsets in NASCAR and an honorable mention. Go for it. Honorable mention. Start this off. Uh, came very recently. Has to be Cole Custer at Kansas. That race, I remember watching that. Kentucky. Our Kentucky. Kentucky, Kansas. They start with a K. They're it's easy. Similar. Common mix up. You know, Cole Cole was on a it was had a racehorse. You know, he went four wide. It was kind of like when uh, at the Kentucky Derby this year, when uh, what's his name? You know that 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 horse that was like plus eight million billion to win. Um, yeah, uh, Rich Strike, I think is what it was. Rich Strike, shout yeah, to Rich Strike. That's what Cole had in Kentucky. All right, so I re- I'll never forget watching that lap, man. Him coming up, he was up on the wall. And he just sent that motherfucker in and got the win. Nobody saw that coming. Bets went to hell. The day was done uh, for the bank account. But great day for Cole. And that's the only win that he has had in the NASCAR Cup Series. So that was a huge upset. I don't think anyone saw that one coming. So shout out to Cole. That was my honorable mention. Yeah, that was a good one. That uh, that was his rookie year, too. And that was a four-wide pass coming to the white flag. I remember that one, too, because I was be- – I was- heavily betting on NASCAR at that time. And I had Blaney and I, I don't think I had Harvick or Truex who were the other guys that were in that four wide scrimmage. I, I did have, I did have Blaney. Mm. It was tough. That was a tough day. And I know that, uh, that with the, with that, you know, the whole mantra, cause that was just like, you know, the, the year of Denny and, and, and uh, Kevin. That was Denny and Kevin's year. So it was like every week, pretty much, I was betting. I had just got on a sports book. I had just started betting in 2020. It's crazy. Things only been two years, but 
yeah, that was uh that was a that was a tough one. Those tough days, those tough times. But again, shout out to Cole. And I thought Tyler Reddick would have got a win before him. So that was another thing that just hurt me a little bit. I was like, damn, Red Dog, he didn't get it. Shit. That's when the pressure started coming. Yeah, and him, Bell, and him, Bell, and Reddick entered at the same time. Yeah. And Bell, nobody thought Custer was going to be the first guy to win. Mm-mm. But continue with your list. Yeah, so going from there, number five for me, uh, probably just going to go ahead and, and let it be the uh, the race that no one saw coming, the win that no one saw coming, which pretty much is going to be the whole story of this. Uh, Got to talk a little bit about Brad K. In 2009, Talladega, that was uh, one of the first, I think it was his first race that he came in. He was, uh, he was subbing or it was the Carl Edwards car he was in. Uh, it was the final lap of the race and he went, it was for uh, James Finch racing. And I, and I remember hearing some stories. I wasn't there at the time, but I remember hearing stories about how he had just subbed in and that's kind of what kickstarted his career. Um so I thought that was pretty nuts. And again, that was 2009, Brad K. Uh, number four probably is going to have to be the, uh, the 2001 Kevin Harvick in Atlanta. That was huge. Um, you know, it was his third career start. It was right after Dale Earnhardt had passed away. No one saw it coming. And I, ca- I made it number four for the number four. Now, back then it was in the 29. But uh, yeah, that was a huge one. Number three on my list, obviously another one that is circled around Dale Earnhardt, Michael Waltrip, 2001 Daytona, where he Dale literally propelled his team all the way through the field. It was him, his son, and Mikey, and Mikey got his win right there. First Daytona 500, only Daytona 500. That was a huge one. Um, the biggest. No, he won. He won two Daytona 500s. Okay, well, the 2001 Daytona 500 for me, and it was just a sad day. Ultimately, um, then you go back. I would say I didn't know much about this one. I read a little bit about it. A lot of these obviously happened at Talladega. Uh, go ahead and just say it was a uh, Ron Bouchard was his name. 1981. Uh, photo finish. He was sneaking by Daryl Walshup and Terry Labonte. As they battled for the lead. There's nothing like a good old sneak attack that comes up for you like that. You know, two guys, two legends of the sport trying to get it. Never in my life have heard of Ron Bouchard. And here comes Ron. So great day for Ron um, fighting two of the guys that were a part of my legendary crew of drivers. And then number one for me is one that you mentioned early on. Um, was not even alive for it. But just the name itself, the guy itself, it just doesn't seem like a great guy. Derek Cope. 1990 he took it away Earnhardt's car was a fucking force of nature that was supposed to be the time he was supposed to win two years before I was born he was supposed to already be a Daytona 500 champion before I was born I mark that in the books I will always believe that he won that race because who the fuck is Derek Cope and that's the way I look at it so you and your dad or me and your dad share something there because fuck Derek Cope and that's all I'm going to say about that. So, Dale Earnhardt should have won the 1990 Daytona 500. And that's my list. And I'm sticking to yeah, it. Yeah, that, that's why it can't be my favorite because I hate it so much. The Ron, the Ron Bucard one is pretty good. Uh, that one's a good one. No, it's just the number one of all time for me. Which is the – oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going by, like, 
the ones I like the most. Right, which so we were, have which two, are also there. two universes of how we're doing Garage Guide this week. Well, I, I texted you before and said favorite. I well, told you before, it's, favorite. It's all time. All time. Either way. Either way, our list is, is pretty similar, actually. Um, my honorable mention is James Hilton. James Hilton in 1970 at Richmond. If you don't know who James Hilton is, look him up. Look up Speed Weeks 2007, or uh, I think it's 2007 or 2009. Guy was 72 years old trying to qualify for the Daytona 500, racing in the duels. It's a fucking awesome story. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, me and my dad, uh, my dad was cracking up at it because he was like, man, this guy, you don't understand how old this guy is. And um, he didn't make the race, but at one point in the Gatorade duels, he was like running like eighth. Like the guy's 72 years old in the draft, over 200 miles per hour at Daytona. Really cool story. James Hilton uh, passed away in 2018, I think, tragically. But going way back, I got to give this an honorable mention because this era, when you look at the late 60s, early 70s, was so dominated. All the wins and championships were gobbled up by Richard Petty, uh, David Pearson, right around this time. Like David Pearson won all three of his championships in the late 60s. Petty was all around him uh, when he was always full-time. David Pearson wasn't always full-time, but when he was, he won some championships and a lot of races. James Hilton was one of these guys that in this era was basically full-time, was one of the few guys that showed up to the racetrack most weeks, like Richard Petty. And just a phenomenal statistic, 1971, James Hilton – finished second in points and had zero lead lap finishes people second in points the the biggest threat to richard petty second in points and zero lead finishes. i tell you the overall disparity of performance back then and the, the sport was so underdeveloped so when i look at richmond in 1970 this was a very unexpected win, considering the era that uh, of NASCAR that that was, where you just had a handful of guys that gobbled up all the wins. So look up James Hilton. He's an absolute NASCAR legend, racing legend. Uh, and I highly recommend watching his Speed Week story of 07, I believe. It's really cool. Um, so that's my honorable mention. And the rest of these are going to be things that happened in my lifetime. And they are big upsets. They are my favorites. So number five, Jeremy Clements the, in the Xfinity Series 2017 at Road America. Phenomenal finish. Spin and win. A couple laps to go. He's got fresher tires tracking down Matt Tift, who's in a Joe Gibbs racing car, the number 19. Clements had been racing in the Xfinity Series for seven or eight years and really had not been close to getting a win. And even he would say he never would have thought it would have happened on a road course, right? Like he's not a natural born road course racer. He sends it in with a couple laps to go, spins himself and Matt Tift out when he's tracking him down. He gets going first, pulls away and wins at Road America. Just an exhilarating finish to go with an unbelievable upset. I'll never forget looking at pit, the pit road or the victory lane celebration. And there were like four crew members standing there and him. Like, there was, like, six fucking people celebrating the victory. It was the craziest, coolest thing I've ever seen in the Xfinity Series, or at least up there, right? So that that has to be on the list. That's my number five. 
Number four is the 2011 Daytona 500, Trevor Bain, arguably the greatest upset of all time because of his youth. He was 20 years old, had just turned 20, and took the Wood Brothers back to victory lane for the first time in a long time at the, at this moment in 2011. Uh, just an unbelievable upset. And that was a time where it was more likely to happen because of the tandem drafting. The tandem drafting was a was a complete wild card. You didn't have pack racing. Anybody could just link up to another driver. And you could, if you timed it right at the end of races, you could just go. You could just fucking go. And Trevor Bain had Bobby Labonte linked up behind him in the number 47 car. And they went. And he held off Carl Edwards coming to the line and won the Daytona 500. Probably will be the youngest driver to ever win the Daytona 500. Unless Ty Gibbs gets in here in the next year or two and fucks it all up. Yeah, but Trevor Bain. Have to save it for his grandpa first, you know. Yeah, definitely. Trevor Bain, that's a just an unbelievable upset. And I can remember it so vividly. Number three is a Michael Waltrip winning the 2001 Daytona 500. This has to be high on the list because of all the the – just the hard determination it took for Michael Waltrip to stay in the game. Uh, 0 for uh, 468, something like that. I can't remember the exact number, but – Odd of no wins. Yeah, his brother had so much success winning championships, 85 races or 84 races, and then Mikey gets in there and, and just struggled struggled had a few good runs gets a shot from dale earnhardt who was his friend to drive that number 15 car of course the race is overshadowed sadly overshadowed by dale earnhardt's death but uh when you look at the the michael waltrip deal it's it's a beautiful story and a story of such hard work and determination and not giving up so michael waltrip winning that daytona 500 in 2001 which nobody at that time thought he could actually do it Nobody thought he could do it except for Dale Earnhardt Sr. and Michael Waltrip. And, and Mikey went out there and did it. And it was uh, the, him winning that race was really cool, especially considering the circumstances that happened. Like, it, it, it's, it's sad irony, but at the same time, it's like Dale was protecting his team cars uh, in the final laps. And he, he protected Michael and Dale Jr. from the rest of the field, and Michael went on to win. And he got another Daytona 500, as I mentioned earlier, in 2003. That was rain-shortened, but that is a very special, very special win. And I know Mikey doesn't probably doesn't feel that way because of everything that happened, but unbelievable determination to get that win after so many years of trying. So that's my number three. Number two is Kevin Harvick in uh, 2001, shortly after. Probably the most special upset of all time. I don't even think it's it's debatable. Has to be the most special upset of all time, considering Dale Earnhardt had just died. Kevin Harvick jumps in his car. They completely rebrand it with a car number, and he goes out and wins in his second or third start. And he holds off Jeff Gordon's or Dale Earnhardt's biggest rival, aka Jeff Gordon, by a fucking nutsack hair coming to the finish line. It was just. I, I wish I had more cognitive ability to have remembered it at the time, not being a four or five year old kid. Um, but my God, what a special upset that was. I mean, from a sentimental standpoint, it was one of the best things that could have happened in NASCAR in that time. So Kevin Harvick, 2001 Atlanta has to be number two. A lot of people are probably shocked that's not number one, but my number one personally 
is Brad Keselowski at Talladega in 2009 because it's one of the most exhilarating, crazy, unprecedented finishes in the history of NASCAR with Carl Edwards going up into the grandstands and Brad Keselowski, an unbelievable underdog story. As you mentioned, this launched his career. It was only like his eighth or ninth start driving for a team that had never sniffed winning a, a Cup Series race, which was James Finch at number 09 car. Sparked a Hall of Fame career for Brad Keselowski. And it just brought, for me as a kid, it made me a fan immediately because I had seen instances at Dega or even Daytona where somebody went for a pass and the guy who was leading went down to block them and the driver went below the yellow line or they folded and they caved in and they lost. Regan Smith is a great example. Tony Stewart tried to block him and Regan went below the yellow line, got disqualified, didn't win that race. Brad Kay sat there and said, I'm not going below this yellow line. If you block me, you will get fucking wrecked. And that is the exact mentality you need to have in that situation if you want to win. That changed his career forever. And as I said, and I can't reiterate enough, was the most exhilarating Talladega finish of all time, in my opinion. And sparked a Hall of Fame career for a guy that was still racing today and a guy that I'll be betting on this weekend to win at Daytona. 25 to 1 is what we're looking at right now. Maybe we can get 30 to 1, 35 to 1. We'll have to wait and see. But that is my number one of the garage guy, Brad Keselowski in 2009. I was 12 or 13, I think. And it was just the most mesmerizing finish I've ever seen in my life, especially at that point. It was fucking unbelievable. And it, that race holds a special, special place in my heart and in my memory forever because of how fucking just dramatic and exhilarating it was. So that is my number one, Brad Keselowski. Number two, Kevin Harvick, 2001 Atlanta. Number three, Michael Waltrip, 2003 or 2001 Daytona. Number four, Trevor Bain, 2011 Daytona. Number five, Jeremy Clements, 2017 Road America. An honorable mention, the GOAT legend that you need to learn about, James Hilton, 1970 at Richmond. Yeah, what I would love to do, you know, it's a great list. And what I've been thinking about while you're reading this off, and, and I was listening, I promise. But I was thinking, man, I would love to know what the odds on all of these guys were for these races. That's what I want to know. Oh, to man. Find the reference sheet, like, to just show that. And It's out there. It's got they got to be out there. They got to be out there. That needs to be, like, that needs to be a picture that we put up for this one. If we if we can find and if anybody out there that's listening, if you're in the discord and you're listening to this right now, if you somehow happen to find a source for the odds of all the drivers that we've mentioned, all these upsets, please post it so that we can see what these odds were. and We can share that because I guarantee you that would have been enough to put three children through Harvard more than likely. <laughs> well, I think. Michael Waltrip was probably around plus 10,000. Um, Michael McDowell, we know, was plus 10,000. You need to know on, on several sports books. That's what we need. Easily plus 10,000 or, or higher. Yeah. Plus 10,000 or 20,000, 30. I don't, it depends on what, what legal books were doing at that time, which I really don't know. But he, there's no question he was at least plus 10,000. 
There is no question in my mind. Trevor Bain, exactly the same. Both those guys were unbelievable upsets. Just unbelievable. So they had to be plus 10,000. There's no doubt in my mind. I would bet a a hundred or a thousand dollars that they were both minimum plus 10,000. I want to interview the person that bet on all of these. If there is such a person. Yeah, oh, man, that's tough. That's so rare. That's like if you bet on both of those guys to win, that's like that's got to be close to lottery odds, dude. Probably like winning Jeff the lottery. Bezos. Jeff Bezos, he's the one. That's what. Yeah. That's how maybe that started. Maybe that's how Matt Collar got all his money. How about that? Oh, maybe it is Matt. Maybe Matt maybe was the is. one. Holy shit! I didn't think. Yeah, me from Vegas. Add it. Yeah. Add it to the. I don't know. I don't know. But we can add that to the to the conspiracy. This has been a great episode, by the way. It has, it has. I, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about this. I think I had mentioned something to you about it. Should we like not call this the race recap anymore? Should we just call it the like the the Garage Guys NASCAR podcast and like not designate it as a full race recap anymore? Like, is that something we should do? Because I feel like we talk we talk about the race, right? We talk about the big storylines, but then we go off and talk about other relevant storylines that are happening in the racing world. I think it's a good time because, and I'm going to go ahead and make an announcement here, that there will be a, a giant announcement coming out next week. Um, something I've been working on personally. You know, you, we got Dale Center out there. You're covering all the bets. You're talking about all the betting stuff for motorsports. You know, we got, NAS, we got the Garage Guys NASCAR podcast. And I feel like just you and I having conversation and just having conversation in general is great. And I think that's what's good for this. But uh, there's another show coming to the Garage Guys Network very soon. And uh, that's all I'm going to say. And there will be more on social media this week. And uh, I think it might I think it might be high time. I think it might be time to uh, to make this that very show just the garage guys nascar podcast just talking there you go yeah and and still gonna review the race right and you know what we didn't even fucking talk about any car dude we didn't even talk about st louis and that's where we were that's what i'm saying shit we'll have we'll have a place we we were gateway but look gateway it was a great weekend worldwide technology raceway is awesome dude like I, i talk about st louis not being my favorite place worldwide technology raceway is one of the better uh, operated racetrack facilities and event weekends that I've ever been a part of in NASCAR or IndyCar. I, I encourage everyone to go out there for next year's NASCAR race. That was so much fun. And the IndyCar race was a lot of fun too. And it's a night race, so it's fun. So Joseph Newgarden owes me money by today. Same. And if hey, he, hey, then we're going to have a problem. Scott McLaughlin, top five, top play of the week. So Easy Scott, money. Scott. I wish he would have won, but top five is okay. Worldwide technology, greatest people, love them to death. And it was a great weekend. But, yeah, don't forget, uh, big announcement. It's coming up next week to kick off the NASCAR playoffs. New show coming to Garage, guys. Uh, You'll learn more as the week progresses. But uh, it's been a great show. Shout out to the Garage Guide. Shout out to Naspiracies. Shout out to us and shout out to you. And the Garage Guys Discord, which is now we Garage Guys, we're just like I said, I tweeted it last night. We are a NASCAR betting and DFS empire. We are just a NASCAR empire in, in total. Like we we are we are the leaders of the free NASCAR world. 
And if you disagree with that, then throw your phone in the fucking toilet and don't ever listen to this podcast again. Uh, love you guys. And thanks. Rate, share, subscribe. That's rate, it. share, subscribe if you like us, even if you hate us. All rate, right. share, subscribe. Good stuff. Appreciate everybody. See you in Daytona. Peace out.